Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Here we go, Ronaldo Molotalo, left knee, heavily strapped. Moses flying, flying. Moses comes at him, makes the tackle. Just like the Archbishop of Canterbury, Stevie Mortimer. Now Talakai, got to find Kennedy, looking for his third step, step, back, under the black dot. What a try. Well inside the 40, and Reese Walsh looking to attack that ball. Up to the third, he's got Granville in front of him, runs around him, links up with Jesse Arthurs. Arthurs with some room to move. Here's Ezra Mann, Ezra Mann, setting south of the corner. What a try, Brisbane! That is electric from the Broncos. Now Herbie Farmworth splits them. He's got support. Reese Wells will seal it for Brisbane. Welcome to the Broncos. Reese Wells scores in his first game in the NRL in Broncos colours. One of the better starts of the National Rugby League. These players have come in absolutely humming. Crunch time brought to you by Before You Dig. Don't dig blind. Search Before You Dig online every time. The number, because you make the show. Remember, one 300 one 1170 0457736736. That's the text line, however you're tuning in. 1170 in Sydney, 1693, 693 rather in Queensland, 1620 the Gold Coast. Those on the app, those on the podcast, we say hello to you. There will be three of us shortly. Uh, in the meantime, while Scotty Sattler sucks up to the boss, Adrian Brzezko <laughs> is here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, good afternoon. What a start. I can't remember a better start to the first round and a half yeah. ever. Outstanding. Ever. Ever. Wow. Uh, hang on, I'll the, introduce the, you in a minute. The, the, don't you reckon the quality of the football so early in the season? I can't yeah, remember is... last year, so I'm <laughs> yeah, going to agree. Right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, two-time Walkley Award winner, ladies and gentlemen. Sydney Morning Herald Chief Rugby League reporter, Adrian Prezenko. Now, this last man who was quoted, Gibbo, if you were Mike Acevo, I'd put you in row 17. Uh, then went on to suck up to the boss. He is our resident fly-in, fly-out worker, Scotty Sattler. How are you, mate? I'm good, Sugar. Yeah, I, it has been a great start to the uh, the, the start of the season. But AP, two Walkley. So what what stories were they? Both of them salary cap rorts. Okay. So it was the Storm. And 2010. Also, yep. Yeah. And also the Parabata one. That one was yeah. sort of bittersweet because they're my boys. Yeah. And I had to be writing about them. So if it was any other club, if it was like Did the club turn on you a little bit? Well, they were all resold after yeah. <laughs> after yeah. about six months. So the actual board was like what like flicked by the New South Wales government. So. Has anyone told you you sound like Peter Bedell from <laughs> Queensland That's, Media? That is not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, so what our man AP, Adrian Prezenko, has divulged is that he has a great niche. So his niche is wrought. So if you know anyone in your business, <laughs> yeah. mateship, who's rorting something... Mm. I thought it was Scotty Sattler, the investigator, but it's actually Adrian Prezenko. It's only a reward if you're not in on it. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have your own little niche in life, we've all got our own little niche in life, please let us know. What's your niche? 0457 <laughs> 736 736 is the way to do that. The maestro here, he's driving the bus. Hello, maestro. Hey, Joel. How you doing? Um, welcome to Crunch Time, maestro. Thank you. Looking forward to another big Saturday. Uh, we've got Timmy Manor coming in after two Correct. as well, which is going to be fun. 
following along with the Roosters, hopefully losing again. So we're having an argument, games. weren't we? I, I, the maestro Volkanovski. We're having an argument with Gibbo because he goes, "What about Katoa just throwing himself into into Mikasivo last night? I was like, yeah. What throw him into his like getting tangled up in his legs like roadkill?" <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested to hear this from Timmy later as well, but yeah. also you, one of the great tacklers in NRL history, Scott Sattler. What should he have been doing? Katoa well, to stop Sivo last night. I thought he had a great angle on him, even though he's only about five, four or five metres out. He had a great angle to yeah. make really good contact towards the sideline and just at least jolt him. Many will say, no, he's too big, he's too powerful. We would have ran over the top of him. But you look at his Katoa's technique. big. His technique, Katoa's technique was, was terrible. Now, Joel, you've got another option. You think he just should have gone up, grabbed hold of the ball and just used momentum. As Mate, a... I, I take this from the great uh, Gavin Clinch. Gavin Clinch <laughs> didn't make a tackle in his life. He didn't lift a weight in his life. He didn't worry about it. He'd just go for the ball every time. So when we were living in England, we had the Sky text. Remember the old TV? You'd find these little coloured buttons and you'd press them, which no one ever went to. Different angles, wasn't and, it? And it, it was just like different stats and news oh, okay, and stuff yep. that no one had ever seen. And this is like 25 years ago. But if you clicked on the Super League, you could find a stat for one-on-one strips. And Gavin Clinch. Really? Yeah. Gavin Clinch, right? So you'd have third, uh, Breeze, right? Lee Breeze. Lee Breeze, third. <laughs> Kicked five field goals yeah. in one game. Lee yeah. Breeze, third on two yep. one-on-one strips, right? Um, who's another Englishman? Lee Westaway. Lee Westaway uh, is second <laughs> on three, for wrong reasons on three one-on-one strips. Yep. And number one for the one-on-one strips in the Super League is Gavin Clinch with 69. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I swear to you, one day he was hiding at fullback. And, mate, he, I saw him in the gym one day at Salford. I said, mate, why don't you lift any weights? He said, I don't make any tackles and I don't get tackled. Mm. I don't need to do any weights. So when everyone ran at him, they called him Clinch the Pinch. He would just go for the ball. Yep. Honestly, look, that, that number is not an exaggeration. If anyone saw Clint, <laughs> Clinch the Pinch play, or in fact, if you're Gavin Clinch listening to the program, give us a call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Mate, that's all he did. There was times where a bloke would be running, he's only got the fullback to score, and it was Gavin Clinch. And next thing you know, Clinchy is running up the other end. He would only go for the ball. And I think if you're defending your own line, honestly, and I'm being sincere now, you have just got to play at the ball. They all try and tackle or whatever they want to do, you have to actually have your two hands playing for the ball. And that's what Latrell Mitchell almost did when he held up uh, Lugana. Gary Belcher, one of the great fullbacks, not only just of the, the modern era of all time, mm. tremendous defensive fullback as well. Ricky Stewart and Laurie Daly once said, I don't think we would have won the comps we did if we didn't have badge at fullback wow. in the 80s and 90s. and uh, Sorry, the 89 and 90. But he said... His excuse was that if the 12 guys in front of you missed the tackle, <laughs> why should I have to That's be right. a saviour? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. Speaking of great covering tackles, we probably saw one in round one, the Lockernilius one. Yeah. That was a fantastic tackle. And I was covering the game out at Shark Park and I turned to one of my colleagues and said, oh, he's done a Georgie Gregan. Mm. And, and it was so similar. Obviously, the stakes are a lot higher. It wasn't a, you know, a Bledisloe decider. But I, so it prompted me to actually ring Georgie Gregan and I showed him, like he lives in the UK now and he had a look at the vision of the ch- tackle and he, you know, it was almost like bringing back memories from almost three yeah. decades ago. Yeah. And he said, well, that's the way you do it. You just go for the bag. And Ron, Ronaldo Mulatalo had a smile on his face as well. He's, he knew he was going to get a four pointer. Mm. Yeah. That's what rubbed salt in the wound even more. Adam Peake is on the text line. 0457736736. Now he's listening to the program 
with his colleagues out there at the wharfs at Port Botany. Hello uh, to all the guys out there. We appreciate that. And he says, uh, Jolie, I love you, but in fair dinkum, what would you know about defence? Well, Peaky, <laughs> I, will, I will concede this. I will admit that my step was far better in defence than it was in attack. But, but that's fine. That's fine. Keep them coming through. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the call line text. 0457 736 736. What about the Broncos? Are they the real deal? Well, they started the season in 2022 exactly the same, yeah. didn't they? I think they went four from five. They knocked over South in round but one. Not in, not in this manner. It feels no, different. It, it seems like they've got a little bit more furiosity to them. Yeah, they, they've they've got a little bit more uh, – well, their players are a lot a, a lot more mature. You know, now they've got another full year under their belt. Yeah. and um, you know, there's all these questions around Kevy and his coaching for some reason. And, you know, it's coming from inside the playing group. You know, we hear these podcasts and players are saying, oh, you know, Kevy's not really the coach. Adam Reynolds is the coach. It doesn't matter. Who cares? It doesn't matter. If you're winning games and the coach and the captain are working working well together and your assistants are doing their job and you're winning games, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be strategically a great coach no. to win a comp. So um, are they the real deal? Well, from the first two rounds and the way they're defending – Probably that's probably the, I think the big thing I'm taking from their their wins is the way they're defending. They're, they're defending long periods of yep. of time, and to do win a comp, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to be composed in defence. You've got to be able to feel comfortable when you're uncomfortable, and and that's what the the Broncos are doing. Adrian, I tell you, just my observation has changed completely about coaching in the last three months, and in the like you look at people like Kevy and. Wayne Bennett, and you sort of think, yeah, how are they? And I, I know they've got very different careers, but it's not just about coaching. So a lot of coaches out there are control freaks. Yep. They've got to know every part of it. They've got to know this, but sometimes less is more. And having watched the doco on Stan, Dawn of the Dolphins, I've worked out with Wayne Bennett that he has great trust and, and great businesses operate this way where if you get people who are the best at their fields in various departments – that's what can build a business. Yep. And Wayne Bennett is all about the relationships, getting the best out of you. How are you going personally? He's big on the uh, physicality of his sides. So Kevy might not be prototypically the best coach you've ever seen. Yep. But he, what I know of Kevy Walters is he's a terrific knockabout bloke who you just like. Mm. How he handled the Cobo situation was outstanding. And if he's got people around him who are really good at cutting up the tape, who are really good at crafting a game plan, who are really good at doing defence plans, then he's the coordinator like Bennett may be. And that's what I think Kevy Walters is. And if there's one thing that Kevy Walters is good at, he won six premierships. He's good yeah. at winning. Mm. Well, that's that reminds me of Mal Meninga. I don't think he's an X's and O's coach. He's no. not putting stuff on the that's whiteboard. That's what Michael Hagen and Neil Henry are for. He's had Henry, mm. Seabold, Hagen, really capable guys around him. And you talk about Wayne Bennett. Some coaches are, are threatened by having really capable yes, people yes. around them. And mm. they're actually thinking, well, that, that assistant coach is white-anning me. He wants my job. Yep. And he's waiting for me to stumble. Whereas he'll go, the more of these blokes I have around him, the more they make me look good. Yes. Do you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't have to have his fingerprints on everything. He doesn't have to have the whistle in his mouth for every single training session. He, he's got Christian Wolf there. I know that he's taken a lot of joy out of having someone Jason Dimitru, who he's worked with at a number of clubs for a number of years, uh, having him, uh, you know, now in an NRL job and, and succeeding. You know, Christian Wolf. He, he'll get a perfect apprenticeship. He'll do you know Christian Wolf was a tent fighter? 
Yes. What fighter? You be this a is tent, like the Jimmy Sharman's You should be a tent fighter. Yeah. A tent fighter. Yeah, they're yep, from absolutely. Mount Isa. The Wolves are from Mount Isa, both he needs. What's a tent fighter? So, you know, like uh, Fred Brophy's tent fighting. Oh, yeah. And his name was Afro Savage. Yep. That was his tent fighting name. Wolf. Christian Wolf. So both Christian Wolf and Ben Wolf, his brother, who's the assistant to Anthony Griffin at the Dragons. What's that? What's uh, what's his? Fight I don't name? know what his. We, we didn't know that. They're from Mount Isa, and they're mad. They're mad yep. bluers. Are they? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 It's in Queensland. He actually gets a little bit embarrassed that people Does know he? about it. So there you go, AP Afro Savage. That's was his fight name. On Wayne Bennett, and you know, I was I only played one Origin, but I was fortunate enough to yeah. be in camp and. And I was room with Petro, who obviously knew the way that Wayne... I'm fascinated by him. Wayne, Wayne coached. Yeah, I'm fascinated. So when I got picked, I remember saying to one of my very good friends, I said, I cannot wait to go and spend 11 days in camp. And I'm 31. Hello? Learning, <laughs> learning about this different way that rugby league has played under Wayne Bennett. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to look at the game completely differently. So on the third day... I vividly remember it sitting on the end of my bed and I must have been looking perplexed because Petro said to me, what's the matter, Sats? I said, Bulla, I said, when do we start looking at New South Wales and breaking down their team? And You felt like you're underdone. Yes. Yeah. And I went, he goes, what do you mean? I said, what's the game plan? We don't, I haven't even heard a game plan. He said, oh, there's no game plan. Yeah. He said, don't miss a tackle, play with great aggression, don't make any stupid mistakes and decisions. And when we need it, give the ball a locky. <laughs> that was the game plan. Well, mate, World Cup was won by Argentina. Yep. And the coach brought the team in together and said, guys, this guy here, he's the best in the world, Lionel Messi. Do you blokes want to be World Cup winners? Then get him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but that's, that's what true. happens yeah. at the highest level. Yep. Mm. He said he's the best player here. And if he gets lots of ball, we win the World Cup. Do you want to win the World Cup? Well, that's what we need to yep. do. Mm. I, I don't mean to offend any of you, but that's just fact, reality, and that's what we're going to do. Yep. We do overcomplicate things, don't we? And, and there's also that thing where you have to prove that you're the smartest person in the room, or that you have to come out and we're going to do it my way and I'm going to reinvent the way the game is played. It's not necessary. We had, yeah. a, we had a move off the scrum at Penrith with Johnny Lang, who was one of the most simplest, basic coaches yeah. you'd ever come across. And... We had a room that was called Reese's Ball. Reese Wesser scored 27 tries oh, or something what that a year. You know? And the move was Craig Gow got off the back of the scrum, just ran at the first defender, and then he delivered a ball to Reese. And Reese, using his speed, is going to run across field and he's going to find a lazy defender and then he's going <laughs> to score a try. Well, sound, that was the move. No, but just on that, like, and, and if you're listening and you're trying to understand what Sats is saying, just think about another Reese. When you have that brutal speed mm. and you can get on the outside of a player, which Reese Walsh kept doing oh. last night to Hiku, yeah. then all of a sudden there's a decision that has to be made to the player on the outside. And he kept burning Hiku. So if I'm coaching against Reese Walsh next week, I'm saying to my centre, you have to. I know it'll feel uncomfortable that you're leaving a big gap in there, but trust that it's going to close. You need to take one or two steps out there to factor in, because predominantly, he, if you look at him putting the foot down, he wants to run right to left. Wants he wants to, step, to yeah, he wants to, to he, when he does his big sp speed bursts, they're right to left. So if I'm coaching, I say to my right centre, he wants to get onto your outside. Yep. So you need to leave a far bigger gap than you ordinarily would with your back row or your half 
because he's going to try and run on the outside of you. So that our winger needs to make a big decision. Yep. And and they left. This is what was really frustrating for me to watch. And I rate Toddy Payton. It's harder when you're in that box. But Hiku, who didn't have a great night, making errors, defensively beaten all night, uh, suspend uh, on the cusp of being suspended. But it was very clear early that that's what Reese wanted to do. Meanwhile, no one's running at Val on the other side. Mm. So I would have said, Val, we need the speed over here. Let's go. And But Hiku was just cannon fodder. Well, to Satz's point, what, what impressed me in their opening win against the, the Panthers was the defence. But you're just thinking, where's that X factor going to come from? What, when the big games happen, we saw it last mm. night. That, yeah, was just, absolutely. that was as, as good a fullback oh. debut performance as I've seen. Do you still start rating players? Since the Tigers first game, I agree. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was the too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. San, it was a sandy pitch yeah, too, wasn't I'm, it? Campbell I Town. think the only game I've ever played well was a – I must have been a beach sprinter that I never did. That was my <laughs> game. You know Damien Cook was a beach sprinter? Oh, but, yeah. um, Billy Slater rode horses. Uh, but in saying that um, – yeah, you're right. With with that X that X play, yep. you need that X factor, don't you? And yep. Yeah, we saw it last night. And I, I was just going to say, do you still keep rating players based on the old rugby league week format? I still look at players today. I go, I said to my wife last night, I said, "What about Reese Wallace?" Oh. Yeah, I said that was a ten out of ten performance in the rugby league week. Like, yeah. the, the ten was so special because it happened so rarely, didn't it? Yeah, yep. like, that was the thing. Like, did, maybe like one a season. Sterlo got a couple. I know that. Yeah. But it was Tommy Turbo-like where those games where this kid's just too good. Mm. He, he, every yeah. time he gets it, he is just too good. Do we miss the big league? Yeah. I miss the big league. Yeah. Mm. You don't realise how much you miss it until it's gone, do you? I know. Yeah. I know. You get it from the store. And... There's a lot of pressure too. Like if you're the person rating the game and, and there's a guy on that sort of nine and a half, ten cusp, everyone probably wants to be that guy. I'm going to give him a ten. But it's sort of like you have to keep it rare. It's like the Immortals. You don't do it all the time. That's what makes it so yeah, special. That's right. Yeah, that's right. On the big league, I'll never forget this cover. And it was like a, a quadrant cover. And it was Matt Ridge. It was Jason Taylor. It was Terry Lamb. And maybe Halligan. And the sharpshooters of the NRL. And it was 69%. You know, <laughs> 61%. And, and, it was like, and admittedly, the ball was a lot harder at the time. There wasn't the kicking tees. And, but it was just like, now, if you're not kicking 80%, yeah, you you're must be using the, the wrong foot. Yeah. You know? hey, do you guys remember your highest and lowest score in big league? Oh, yeah, no. Absolutely. No, yeah. but, no, but absolutely. every single – I don't, but every single player would look to it every yeah. week, yeah. wouldn't you? My lowest was a five yep. and highest was a nine. Yeah, yeah. Because we we do that at the Herald for like origin ratings yep. or grand finals, and I've I've had that task, and it's like you just know that like if you front a player after giving them a four, Mate, yes. they are going to be filthy. Yeah. They are absolutely. What does he filthy. know? He's never put a pair of boots on. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Sheen's actually one year, and I don't know if he did it with you, Sats. He would have after every game you had to rate yourself out of ten. Yes. Yeah, right. you're right. Yeah, and Mark O'Neill gave himself an eight every week. Right? <laughs> I said, "Well, why do you do that, buckets?" He said, "Mate, it's not my job to appraise how I've gone." Mm. He would give himself an eight every single week. Where I'd be super hard on four. Admittedly, that's probably exaggerating. I should have got three, but <laughs> but he would make you do that, Timmy Sheens. Yeah, he still did when I was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, that's... he I spoke to him last week, and he said that we're doing that now for training sessions. That you're meant to give yourself a, a rating on how you've gone at training that day. Is that right? Mm. And they have all the drones these days. You what, can't hide now. No. Before you used to be no. able to hide, but now with the drones, if you're... Heart rate monitors. Yes. And, um, I mean, back in the day, fair dinkum, like we, we we were gone for the comp, and, and I'm not at all proud to admit this, but on a Monday we'd finish and 
we'd have the video and half the time we wouldn't do the video if Terry Hill played bad uh, because Terry Lamb was only a short bloke. Uh, Terry Hill, so he needed the remote to put it on. <laughs> so if Terry Hill played bad, he'd switch the battery around the wrong way so it wouldn't work. <laughs> and, 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 and in the end, Terry Lamb would just give up on it and that's it, boys. So what, what would happen is, okay, that was a quick session. we go out the front and we'd sort of mill around as if to say, can someone sort of bring up the question? And should we go for lunch, boys? We'll just go for one. We never, ever once went for one, right? <laughs> never once for the – we'd go to the pub and we'd have the um, the no-names feed. Where was that down? The Merton Hotel? Yeah. On uh, Victoria Road. And then all of a sudden you just sort of – someone's got your headlock and all of a sudden it's bloody you know, very, very late. So <laughs> we were training then at the Olympic Village and this couldn't have been more unolympic than what we were doing. And then so I had to get there early and you jump on the treadmill just before Bar got there and you're in a world of hurt. <laughs> And just as he walked in, you splashed on the, uh, oh. the, the, the water. Oh. So you've been sweating. <laughs> yeah. And uh, not proud at all of that. But t- times you can't have changed. do that with GPS and no, everything that, else. That's right. if, if, you go, if you're meant to be doing laps around the, the block and you're hiding in the bushes, they can find you now. Oh, yeah. 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 Didn't, didn't not guys proud like, about it. Didn't guys like Belliac used to do that? They used to run and hide in the bushes and, and oh, watch. They've got, this, they've got this famous run in Melbourne. Yeah. You've got to go yeah, through the, up through this bush area. And he used to. He used to hide in the bushes. Stick in the bushes, bushes to see if anyone would walk or was complaining or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know Craig Belly's written a book? Yes. I've, well, he's written a book. He's written a book. Has he? Yeah, it's called uh, Home Tr- Hard Truths. It was yeah. ghostwritten. Like a, you yeah, did it goes, a, it's yeah. a great book. Really, really good book. I've, yeah. I've read that, yeah. Mm. He used to say that one of his first jobs was like skinning rabbits. And he and he said that he used to he used to love doing it in the winter because the fur would be a little bit thicker yeah. and you'd get a little bit more for it when you traded it uh, in. Oh yes. I've told you this story about so back this must have been early to mid two thousands and Craig Bellamy needs to cut one kid and now the decision's been taken out of his hands because the kid has broken his leg. So and he loved this kid, just the way he applied himself and he said, Mate, unfortunately you've broken your leg, we've got to settle on our top thirty, so but we're going to keep it on you. Go back to Queensland and we'll get you back in the team. So the next day is the final session of the year before Christmas. And they meet at this hill. And the idea of this hill, it's a massive hill. You run up the top and then you run past this corrugated iron up the top and then you fall down. You need to do a dozen of those. So it's the last session of the year before Christmas. It's a brutal session. And they all turn up. And the kid who's broken his leg turns up. And Craig Bellamy says, mate, you, what are you doing? He said, no, no, the doctor got it wrong. I'm fine. I'm fine. So up they go, they run up the top and cross the corrugated iron and down they come and they do this six times and this guy's near the front. And Craig Bellamy says to one of the, has he really got this broken leg? They go, yeah, 100%, it's a fracture. It's not the biggest fracture in the world, but it's a fracture and he's no good. They, he goes, okay, I'm going to follow him up. So the next one, he follows them up. They turn behind the obscured corrugated iron and this young bloke saying, guys, slow down, slow down, slow down. He's stuffed and they all start walking let this guy get a bit of a breather. Then they tumble down the hill. Away they go. And what he realised was they were protecting this kid. Mm. So he was just gutsing it out. And the young 20-year-old who was protecting him, at the end of the session, he said, hey, uh, mate, I saw what you were doing. When you got to the corrugated island, you told everyone to walk and you were trying to protect him. Is that right? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I did. He said, you're captain this year, Cameron Smith. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and he said, you... You have got a broken leg, you liar. He said, you're in the 30. Welcome to the 30, Dallas Johnson. 
Wow, everyone wanted them in and, the team. And that was told to me by... Oh, it's got goosebumps there. Yeah, that was told to me, and I did too, by Craig Bellamy himself. Wow, that's a great story. Yeah. Great story, so, Sugar. So Craig Bellamy loves going on those overseas trips. So like e- EPL, NFL, the NBA, all we that. We call them junkets. He calls junkets. them He calls it study tours. Yeah, study yeah. tours, yeah. So he said of all the ones that he, he's done, the one that he liked the best was in 2019, he went to the New York City Fire Department. And he said, they train for what they have to encounter in their job every day. So there's gas fires. They're, they're not pretending there's a fire. There's starting fires. There's electrical fires. There's all these different things. And he said, they are at 10 out of 10 intensity. And he said, I used to think that I was. And when I come back, I'm cranking it up that other notch. I'm not. I'm wow. going from nine, nine and a half. I'm going to just bang, 10. We interviewed one of the, the Storm players a couple of weeks ago. I said, how young Trent Leero and said, how's, how's Bellyag been? You know, he's announced it's going to be his last year. And uh, how has he been through the preseason? Oh, he said, he's been a lot sterner than the past this offseason. I didn't think he could go to another level. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just keeps finding it. I keeps finding it. Yeah, the camera players talk about it. And this doesn't surprise me with the Melbourne Storm, how they went down there in 1998 and they all just, they built this family, this village. And they just, you know, everyone raised each other's children. And yep. And then he went there, and, and then they went through a real lean period when Mark Murray was the coach. Then Bellamy gets a job in 2003, and they're, fo- they're flying again. And talking to Gary Belch, he said, it doesn't surprise me that he's been so successful with his playing group and how much he protects them and how much he loves them and how close they are. He said, because when he was at Canberra as a player, both he and his wife, Wendy, whenever a player used to come from a regional area or from another state, they'd get them into their house within the first two or three days and they'd have them over for dinner for multiple nights in the first few weeks that they were in Cam- uh, King yep. Canberra. Made them feel at home, made them feel welcome, made them feel part of the family and just held them, helped them adjust as quick as possible. So it doesn't surprise me that no. he's, he's done it at the Melbourne Storm. It's not all about the X and O's, is it? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy to have your say. And apologies, the board has absolutely lit up. And we appreciate you getting behind us here on Crunch Time. Adrian Brasenko, Scotty Sattler, I'm Joel Kane, the maestro behind the reins. But this is Crunch Time to have your say. The text line, 0457 736 736. A break and we're taking you through to five o'clock. Really tough time at the moment. Nico Hines, you are a class act. You are an absolute class act. And for what Can't he's going anymore. through himself, mm. just so classy. You know, it's easy to throw stones and we're in a world of outrage and let's go after everyone and no forgiveness and that. But, geez, he handled it classy, boys. Well, you know, you look at that incident on, on Thursday night and it really comes down. And at first I didn't realise it was a 15-year-old kid. I thought it was a yeah, – it might have been a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, whatever it may be. Um and I, I had a different opinion on it. Then when you hear it's a 15-year-old, you start looking at it, is it nature versus nurture? And of mm. course it's nurture. Yeah. It's a learnt behaviour that he, wherever he got his ideologies from, exactly what, what Nico was saying. And banning him for life, that's not the answer because you're just going to continue to build hate within this young man instead yeah. of getting him to sit down. And it's probably not Latrell's job to go and sit down with this young man and educate him because he's still probably going through some emotion, a little bit of anger at the moment. But definitely, if this if this young man is is sits down with uh, Indigenous elders, um, allows him to understand how important our the, the Australian history is, and then we reintroduce him and reintegrate him back into the game, I think that's far and more important for the game that that we're seeing more than what happens on the field. It's more about how we can continue to make people better in our communities. Sats and, and AP, look, Penrith have copped it, but what what are Penrith to do? Penrith can't control the actions of. 
15, 20,000 people. It's he was just... wearing a Roosters jersey. He's was not he? even yeah. a Penrith fan, So, which speaks to the level of vitriol that this young person yeah. felt towards Latrell Mitchell, that he had to go and watch a game that didn't involve his own team and, and hurl that abuse. Or, or is he one of those people, the young man, or does he think like this at 15? Because I've seen plenty of it where – he is the supporter of a club that is playing, but you wear another jersey, so that's, that's, it, it, deflects the, it deflects onto another club. The same conspiracy I had. So people are saying they should do what they did in the A-League and ban the fans from coming in. Well, then all of a sudden, okay, if that's going to be the case, I'll turn up with a Penrith jersey who are, I don't like Penrith and hurl abuse at my own team. Mm. You know, like, I, I actually don't know what the answer is. It's, it's a societal problem, which I think we've actually come a long, long way with. I think as a society, we have come a long, long way with Absolutely. I think it's part of the minority now. Yeah. And for someone, a proud Indigenous man like Nico to come out and take the education, uh, there needs to be intervention yeah. approach, means that we are getting a lot closer to but Whose responsibility is it, Sat? Sorry to interrupt. Yep. Whose responsibility is, and people have got all of these ideas for this kid, but... That's not Penrith Rugby League's responsibility, no, no. that kid. You it, think, it, it's not even the NRL's responsibility, well, really. Dude, I was going to say, Adrian... It's probably not the NRL's responsibility, but as a body, do they reach out to the young man and say, hey, listen, there is an offer there for you. If you want to take it, we're willing to walk alongside you and hold your hand and educate you. If you're not, well, well, the decision is up to you, the next move. Well, I think that that's a much healthier outcome than ostracizing him for life. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, I agree with everything that you said in terms of we are so lucky to have guys like Nico Hines and Latrell Mitchell in our game. And, and other people who I thought spoke really well afterwards was, um, you know, included Trent Robinson. And, and he basically said that Australia, even to this point, can't handle, you know, a strong Indigenous voice, like an opinionated a- Aboriginal, you know, footballer, um, which is really, really sad. And, you know, I, I think there was a bit of that with Anthony Mundine. And I know some people, you know, put hate on Mundine because he said some really stupid things. But there's there's probably a racial undercurrent to that as well. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. And, and I, I'm, I've lived in all parts of New South Wales in, in Indigenous areas, uh, highly populated um, missions and those sorts of things. I also do think that, you know, the Australian way full stop, Indigenous, non-Indigenous, is tall poppy and to knock them down. So Latrell is an outspoken person, and it's good for the game. It, it really is. Mm. But any... Um, Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but any non-Indigenous player who was equally as outspoken, I just think Australians just go after him anyway. There's a really good saying uh, about Australians is that in America, if you've got the most beautiful lawn, other Americans will strive to have the same lawn. They'll go and buy all the great fertilisers and get all the great advice because they're envious of it. If you're from New Zealand... They'd not only love your lawn, they'd go and whip a snipper it. They'd, they'd cut it for you when you went away because they're such yeah, nice yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. In Australia... Hello to you, Mark. My name. Yeah. He does that. He does yeah. that to me. In Australia... He's not Kiwi, but... Yeah. If, if you're not looking, they'll come in the dead of night and round up as much as they can. <laughs> but we, we claim to be this nation of, oh, yeah, we're you, beautiful, rock solid. You know well, what? I, I, I don't know if it's even, there. We've got, we've got a really big sporting event tomorrow with Tim Zoo up against Tony oh, Harrison. And that's a classic example of... Yeah, the Australian who's a little bit understated and reserved. And his old man, Kostya, was very much like that. Mm. He didn't do a lot of talking. He did most of it in the ring. Whereas the other guy, the American, he's brash, he's yep. arrogant, he's loud. And you just want to see that guy put, put, that, that's, put that's on right. his backside, don't you? 100%. But I, I think every country has got a, 
you know, a section that is is critical about. I mean, Twitter's a perfect example of it. It's the, the greatest the greatest Sexual. opportunity just to get on top of a yeah. You know, a ladder and just scream really loudly about something you've got no education about whatsoever. I just need to have an opinion. Every country's got those sections of people. Um, and in Australian sport, unfortunately, we try and bring down some of the guys that are willing to step outside the, the boundaries a little bit and and be a little bit more animated about their about their craft. And yeah, this, this is the great irony. Like, you know, as a journo, like people complain, everyone's vanilla, everyone's the same, they give you the same old cliches right. whenever you do an interview. And as soon as somebody is a bit out of the box, people don't like that either. They don't. Uh, like Jerome Luai, he, he's, you know, likes to speak up and has his way about things and people want to, we don't love that, do mm. we? We just don't. And look, I, I was even, and I'll put my hand up, I was critical of when, you know, when COVID happened and the Panthers started turning up in, all the American outfits, and I thought, oh, what's get? They're, they're getting ahead of themselves, these blokes. Well, they were ahead of themselves because they've since won two premierships. <laughs> <laughs> so, good luck to you, boys. You know what I did love about it all is that there were some comments around Latrell, and we say, listen, we he could possibly retire early because he just doesn't want to put up with this stuff. Does he go overseas and play where it's where it's not much? Yeah, but there's also a part of it I think, Sats, where but when you in, say that, don't want to put up with it, we all, um, like I, I cop. You would have no idea how much abuse I would cop behind the scenes and social media, etc. There is also an element of hence okay, Rooster Muzz calling you Gladstone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there but but there, there's also an element of, and I'm not at all saying anywhere near to the degree that Latrell may have. I don't know what he gets, but there's also an element of okay, we can't all be impacted by dickheads. Mm. You know, the world is. We're never going to eradicate. The dickhead. There's always going to be those out in the world. No matter what we do, no matter what we put in play. So some part of you have to just, just go, okay, well, in all likelihood, this person is that, and I've just got to just march on. Well, but, I, loved but, how, I loved how Trent Robinson and Jason Demetrio, who know Latrell so well, and people say, he may retire. He I may thought he handled it well. Both, both come in and said, no, he won't retire. He's too strong for that. Yeah. Oh, but, I but, love but, that. Mate, he was getting photos he's... after the game yeah. with everyone else. So, so I think Latrell has but, acknowledged that, okay, well – He's a dickhead. He's a dickhead. But, yeah. but not just that, though. It has impacted on, on the way he'd be moving around in these last couple of days. But Trill is a massive boxing fan. He's very close to Tim Zhu. He probably would have been at the press conference yesterday. They've yeah. got the weigh-in right now as, as we speak at midday at Star City. Um, Latrell was meant to be there. I've just, my colleagues over there um, covering it as we speak, and there's no sign of him. Um, that's the sort of thing that he would want to come, promote, and be a part of. Um, and unfortunately, he probably doesn't feel comfortable doing mm. that today. And so that's that's a shame. It is yeah. a shame. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, it's not tolerated. But sadly, as I say, in, in the world, we will never, ever eradicate the moron. There's going to be morons out there. Absolutely. Uh, good afternoon, fellas. Uh, Sugar, you took the words out of my mouth. Hines is without a doubt a class act. Deserves all of our accolades, says Steve from Dubbo. Where you been, Steve? You haven't seen one of your texts for a while. Boys, COVID killed off Big League magazine which coincided with no crowds and lockdowns, which destroyed its sales. That's a very good point. Now that the pandemic is null and void, surely the NRL can work with News Corp to resurrect the game's official publication. My son learned how to read from Big League. Did he? Yeah, and he, he, he learned how to read really early, yep. really, really early. And a lot of people thought, hey, geez, he's advanced. I was, he's been reading Big League. Yeah. And I was, every Thursday I'd go down, I'd get it, I'd give it to him. He'd sit there and he'd... As well as he could write back then, he'd, he'd do marks next to players, and and um, you know he learned all these different names, all these different Polynesian names as well. He he learned how to read from. Big but Sats, it's not a stupid thing because if you're teaching reading 
like when Adrian Prezenko writes a yarn about rugby league yeah, or... Go, we go to sleep. But... <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> no, but words are words, right? So, yeah. Yeah. so why don't you want kids reading what they're That's interested in? Yeah. But even like mathematics, like, you know, possession rates, the, you know, all the other stuff you can apply, all of that thing and make it interesting. Well, that, that young man I'm telling talking Correct. about now, my son 100%. Jack, who's 25, is an accountant. Yeah. Uh, he's now working at Penrith Panthers in their data and analysis is he department. Really? Yeah. yeah. So you make a good down. point. Yeah. If you said to a kid, uh, you watch rugby league, okay, well, if they completed uh, 11 of 15, what's the completion rate? Yep. Okay, well, that's how you do that. Mm. It's not the worst. Uh, hey, can I just quickly ask, we're talking about Luttrell and how respectful he is. And can I, have we got time, Alex, yeah. can I just ask him a quick question? Out of all the dealings with players you've had over the years, is there a player that you, that stands out, AP, that's, that's been the most respectful when it comes to journos and fans and... There was a period where Jake Trebojevic was injured a few years ago and, and he was out for an extended period of time. And rather than just, you know, do his rehab and, and get on with it, he actually spent a bit of time in the Manly media department. And this was early in his career. And I used, and he was great because he'd come up to you after you spoke to him and then you turn the tape recorder off and you go, mate, how, how did I go? How, how could I improve? Was, I, was that all right? Did that sound all right? Could I have done this better? But there's a guy who... and. When you, you talk to him, you saw him after the game, like unfiltered, you know, his brother just come back after that Brookvale win against the Bulldogs. And he was so excited and, you know, it was, oh, it's so good to see him. He's, he's almost like a brother to me. Yeah. Like it was so good. He's one of the best, I reckon, just in terms of polite, um, you know, always says hello, shakes your hand, looks you in the eye. He's, he's a, he's a ripper. Yeah. Good. Uh, heaps awesome. of texts coming through. Uh, are we the real deal? Come on, sugar. Ring-a-ding-ding, says Bronco Willie. You might be. You <laughs> could you be. Will be. Um, this one from uh, Rooster Mungrel. Now, Rooster Mungrel, I read out many of your texts, and I appreciate them, but this one I'm not supportive of. And, and I don't want to say this about the player who is doing wonderful things for the game. I think it's a bit bit of a tough ask what you're um, asking of this player here uh, under the circumstances. And I think you actually would do too. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy to have your say. This is Crunch Time for Before You Dig Australia, a break and back with more. Tim, Tim been nervous all week, man. Uh, you know, he been, he been trembling and shaking all week. But like I said, the hardest part is over for both fighters. Uh, make, making weight is literally the hardest or the hardest part for both of us. So he made it, I made it. He's able to rehydrate. He said he's going he gonna to come in to, to fight massive. And, you know, that don't even matter. He can come here at 190 for all I give a damn. Uh, we both weighed in the same weight, and that, that's all that matters to me. So tomorrow night is showtime. All the talking is over. I know I sold. I know I, I, every ticket that, that's been bought is because of, 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 of the energy that Harrison has brought to the goddamn <laughs> arena.